Welcome back to Fulfilled, the podcast. Today, I'm chatting with my new best financial friend, Amy Scott. Amy is a certified financial coach who teaches couples how to get on the same page about money and why it's so important. She is passionate about helping couples to live life with less conflict and more space to focus on what really matters to them. Amy has worked with hundreds of couples to reduce financial stress and disagreements, allowing them to pursue dreams that had previously gone unfulfilled. Today, Amy and I are chatting all about that nagging feeling that you could be doing more with your money, how to create more space and options for your family, how to declutter your finances and implement systems that work for you, all while making your marriage stronger. It's a tall order and Amy is the woman for the job. Here it is, my conversation with Amy Scott, financial coach extraordinaire. Hi, I'm Tracy, an impassioned lady on a quest to slay working motherhood and find fulfillment. I'm here to help you navigate the beautiful and damned in the life of a working mom. I'm a PA, mom, wife, and lover of fashion who is guiding my fellow working moms to ditch the dread and find fulfillment in the wonder and the war zone that is modern motherhood. I teach you the clinical pearls you need to create a life you love, pearls you can apply today to change your life tomorrow. Skirt around those heavy real life topics? No way. Here you'll get an unfiltered ringside seat. You'll hear about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Parenting, step-parenting, marriage, motherhood, faith, and finances are all topics we will sit down and unpack together. Think of this as your one-stop shop for all the motivation and encouragement you need to help navigate working motherhood. Each week, it's like a mom's night out had a baby with a TED Talk. Then the mom's night out went back to work. Pull up a seat, get settled, and get ready to be inspired and encouraged. This is Fulfilled, the podcast. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right. So tell us how you started out as a financial coach and more about your transition from financial advisor to the coaching that you're doing now. Sure. So, uh, well, we'll go back. I'm trying to think how old I am right now. So it's been about 11 or 12 years and I was 35 years old. I was uh, just had had my second son. And seemingly at the time, it felt like it was moments after my first son. <laughs> and I was in the world of these two little boys under the age of two and, you know, up in the middle of the night and uh, feeding my second son. And I started to feel like there was something else I wanted to be doing. Like, I wasn't sure that I wanted to go back to work. I felt exhausted, but I also felt this sense of, could my family do it just on my husband's income? Were we going to be able to get by with that? So I felt this responsibility to contribute to our family financially, but also to feed this need that I felt like I had to spend some more dedicated time to being at home with my boys. So that came about and I kept having that thought and went to my husband and said, you know, do you think that I could take some more time off? Could I be with the boys? I feel like I want to immerse myself more, you know, not for years on end, but like, can we do this? And both of us felt like we'd been doing pretty well financially. Like, you know, we were getting by, we had a house, we had a mortgage, we had car payments, we had all the things, like we should be able to do this. And the reality was, Tracy, that when we looked at the numbers, we did not have enough coming in for my husband's high school salary, high school teaching salary mm -hmm. for me to be able to stay at home with the boys. And 
I remember in that moment, I wasn't necessarily shocked. It wasn't like, you know, oh, well, where's all this money? But I remember feeling really frustrated because something that I wanted to have as an option had been taken off the table. And the thought that I had was, what could we have done differently? Hmm. What if we could have we have done differently knowing that we were going to have a couple of kids? It wasn't like all of a sudden I had triplets or something like that, right? Like we knew that this is something we wanted. Yep. What could we have done differently? What choices could we have made differently that would have had this be an option for me to maybe take four or six months off? And I'm not the kind of person who just rolls over and says, okay, well, that's how it is. We got to work. So we started digging into our income and our expenses in a way that we hadn't up to that point. And what we realized was that we actually only needed about $600 extra a month to bridge that gap. So in addition to my husband's income, if we brought in about $600 more, I'd be able to stay at home. If we put on pause certain expenses for this season. And that's how we started to look at it. It's like, okay, this is the season of our life. Like, what are we going to put on pause? What can we, you know, live without to be able to have this as an option? And once we had that number, I don't know about you, but I'm the type of person who's like, once I have that number, I'm like a dog to a bone. Like, like mm-hmm. okay, let's bridge that gap. And my husband started doing some tutoring. He started doing some monitoring of like SATs at the high school he taught at. I did a little bit of babysitting. I did some random Craigslist pickup jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Like whatever there was. And what we found is that we got on the same page. We had this plan and it started working for us. So I share all that to say that I don't have a background in finance. I don't, you know, that I have a background in public health. That's what I was doing for years on end. And all of a sudden, we were able to have this as an option. I spent some more time at home. Friends got interested. They started saying, what are you guys doing? What are you doing differently? And I'd say, oh, the boys nap between 12 and 2. Come on over to the kitchen table Let's lay out all your finances and like, I'll help you create a budget. I'll help you talk about money. And that is when this spark was created in me that I realized, oh, I like this. I'm good at this in a way that some other people either don't like or like actually hate. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So um, that is when I started looking. My boys were four years old. They were going into pre, they're a year um, apart in age and they were going into pre-K and kindergarten. I said, well, maybe I'll go into the world of finance and people started saying, oh, you should be an advisor. You should be a financial advisor. So I took all the exams and the tests to do that and did that for a few years. And what I saw, Tracy, was that I would have couples sitting in front of me because I mostly worked with couples and they were, um, there was either one person really engaged in the conversation And the other person was either physically checked out, maybe on their phone, or just kind of nodding, but not really engaged. So there was that. Or there was couples coming to me who knew what they wanted when they wanted to retire, you know, moving 529 plans for the kids, but they weren't sure how to make the changes in the day-to-day to make those longer term goals possible. And I found those that conversation was not happening as an advisor. So I wanted to go deeper. And so people were coming to you because they wanted to get insurance coverage or open accounts or make some big change in their financial goals or kind of do something that was different than what they had been doing. Yes. 
and they were kind of realizing or you were realizing they're saying they want to do this, but they're not doing it in the day to day. Yeah. So they would come, we'd have a conversation and yeah, it was usually around, Hey, we need life insurance or often I would say 75% of what I did was people that had left a job and they had mm-hmm. like an old, you know, we call it like abandoned or orphaned retirement plan and sure. orphan 401k, TSP, 403b. And I would help them do a rollover into an IRA and look at their long-term financial picture And then we would start talking about, yes, things that they wanted. Like, oh, well, we'd like to retire this much sooner. Okay, well, if you put X, Y, and Z this much more into your IRA, you'll be able to do that. Or, well, we want to have the option to be able to move so we can get in a school, different school district for middle school, right? Or we want to be able to send our kid to college and that's going to be in five years. And I would give them the number, okay, well, put this amount into your house savings fund or put this amount into your IRA or put this amount into your five, whatever. Like the number was there, but they would leave the office all excited to do that. And then when we met six months, nine months, a year later, they would not have made those changes. Mm. And the piece for me was like, how do I get them to make those changes in the day-to-day that are connected to those longer term goals? All right. So let's talk to the listeners that are like you when you decided you wanted to stay home with your boys. So they're kind of bumping along. They have one or two incomes. Things are going pretty well. If you ask them, they say, oh, things are fine or fine-ish, but they're not really making actual progress towards their money goals, or maybe they don't have money goals. Financial freedom is something that I think pretty much everyone would check a box that said, yes, I do want to do that. Mm -hmm. But things are kind of looking and feeling okay in the day-to-day. Talk to that listener. Why do things need to change in that person's life to get to where they actually want to be? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think two things. I'm not here to say that things need to change if if they're okay. Right. I'm not here to say, like, let's go looking and uncovering all these blocks. Right. But typically I'll have people say that, well, things are fine. But if you dig a little bit deeper, they do have that nagging feeling that they could be doing better. Hmm. So if you're someone, though, who's listening, who's like, no, this is an area that's good for us. I'm certainly not looking for it to not be a good area. Keep but up if, the good work. <laughs> yeah, keep up the good work. Right? I'm, I'm all for that. But if if you do have this sense of, you know, maybe we could be doing better, then to that listener, what I would say is that I think, again, I I often say that it's not about having more money, although we all want to have more money. I'm not against that, but it is about having more options. Mm. So the piece I lean into is you don't know what's coming around the next corner. And for those of us, I'm a little bit older than you, Tracy. Um, so I'm very smack in the middle. I are in like the sandwich generation where I've got two kids in middle school and two sets of parents, my husband's and mine, who are both on the cusp of being 80. So I share that just to say, we don't know what's coming around next with our kids or our parents, or it doesn't even have to be like the gloom and doom of that, but it could be, hey, if we really got aligned around our finances... If we got this dialed in a little bit more, some money would rise to the surface and there may be things that you're willing to go for or that you're willing to take a chance on those kind of like hidden dreams underneath the surface that if our finances are really not as 
I like to say like dialed in, right? Or aligned, those dreams, those possibilities don't have a chance to be truly taken action around. Mm. So I guess that's who I'm talking to is more like, do you know there's like a thing in there? And sometimes disorganized finances or the getting by of finances gets in the way of us being able to pursue these bigger dreams. Absolutely. I feel that deep in my soul as someone who has walked through burnout and quit a job that it wasn't the amount of money that we had that made that possible, but the money gave me the option to walk away from something that was not working for me. Yes. And I want every woman listening to know that with a little bit of effort and some systems and from some help from me or Amy or free information you find on the internet, it is possible to go from where you are mm-hmm. to where you have more choices in your everyday life. Hey, if you're like most moms I talk to, you are beyond busy and budgeting seems like just one more thing on your never ending to-do list. What if I told you that instead of feeling like that, you could use a system where you could spend less time worrying about money and more time enjoying your life? If that sounds good to you, how about living into your passion and purpose and having the money to do so without stress? Or maybe saving for kids' college while getting out from underneath your student loans and still not feeling like you're sacrificing your entire lifestyle. The Budget Bundle can help you to do all of that and more. It's a pen-to-paper budget sheet you can use for 90 days to build a budget each month that's going to work for your family. It gives you step-by-step instructions, printables. It's everything you need to go from someone who wishes she could budget, knows she should budget, uh, to a confident and calm budgeter. You can find the link to download the guide in the show notes or head on over to tracy-bingaman.mykajabi.com slash bundle to get your copy today. So one of the quotes that I've seen you share about often is that marriage has enough challenges and stress about money shouldn't be one of them. I think as women, we often end up as the default manager of the day-to-day running of our household, which often trickles down into the day-to-day logistics around money responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If someone listening is feeling like, she's disorganized or just getting by and needs some help, what are some steps that she can take to start evening that load or even creating systems to make it easier for herself? So my brain wants to answer that in two different ways. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> so I'm going to have to rein myself in here. Well, I think there's two different things. Like if she's saying, I'm doing this on my own, I am a systems person at the end of the day. So I can talk all about the systems to do that, but I want to take, and maybe we can put like a pin in that for a moment and just say that I think before you do that, if you are in a relationship, I just happen to be a couples financial coach. So I work specifically with couples. So I talk in that language a lot, but if you are somebody who is feeling like I wish I had more participation or alignment with my partner or spouse, like how do I do that? Because sometimes you can go over there and organize all those finances, but if you're not on the same page about money, I don't care how pretty that spreadsheet looks, somebody's shooting a hole in it pretty yes, quickly. Yes, yes. So I guess that's the piece I, I um, you know, kind of go to first, at least with my clients or folks that I'm speaking to, 
is start with, well, first of all, I want to say, I think it's pretty normal, very normal actually to have one person in a couple who's responsible for more of the finances. So I want to normalize that. I'm not here to say like, well, this is 50-50 and you both have to be looking at it. There is going to be somebody. I don't know you that well, Tracy, but I'm pretty sure in your relationship, it's you. Yep. Um, <laughs> just, love a spreadsheet. Love a good spreadsheet. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I say like spreadsheets are my love language, yep. right? Um, you know, so I, I do want to normalize that. But there is there are ways that you can have your couple be more on the same page about that. And I think the first piece, honestly, is being courageous enough to start that conversation with your partner. Life is busy. I know a lot of your listeners have young kids. They're working full time. There's all the busyness. I'm actually a big proponent of simplifying things. And sometimes a five-minute conversation to get on the same page lends itself to saving an hour's argument down the road. So the first piece I like to say is like, be, I know courageous can sound a little bit heavy, but it's like, be courageous enough to start the conversation and communicate what's working, what isn't working. And often I'll have my clients when they start with me, start with being curious because the reality is that money is something we come into marriage. We have different experiences, beliefs, expectations, even rules around money, what we think is good, bad, what goes, what shouldn't go. And I will often find I'll have a client where, you know, one spouse is saying, well, we should pay off all debt before we do anything else. And the other spouse is saying, well, no, I want to focus on retirement savings. Then we've got a conflict, right? Mm -hmm. And then we have a spouse who says like, well, I'm completely against using credit cards. I'm all for cash. That's what I saw. My colleagues do that, my family. And the other one says, no, I've always been using credit. That's worked for my parents. It worked for me. I don't have a problem with that. And then we've got a conflict. And I share that just to say some of those things can come to the surface. Take a step back, have a conversation. It doesn't have to be, you know, I mean, listen, I'm all for date nights. I'm all for lighting the candles, having a glass of wine. Let's talk about money. But it could be a 15 minute ride to, you know, that you're just happen to be in the car together where you're like, hey, I'm curious, what messages did you hear about money growing up? Mm-hmm. You know, when you wake up in the middle of the night and you think about money, if you ever do, or the middle of the day, what, what do you worry about? Mm-hmm. And the big one that I like to ask a lot of the time, Tracy, is something along the lines of, is there anything that you want to do or have or experience, but you don't bring it up? because you never think we're going to have enough money. Hmm. And sometimes going back to the mom who's managing all the things, having that conversation, being curious, asking questions, and here's the hook with asking the questions, listening as much as you can without judgment. My husband and I have been together for 17 years, so often I think I know what he's going to say. (laughs) So I mindfully give up or I say, hey, I just figured out what you're going to say. I'm going to give that up. And then because he knows I'm doing that, right? Yeah. Uh, So that's the piece of it is like being curious, asking questions and listening and seeing what you can learn. If you start from there and both members feel, members of the couple feel like they're being heard and respected for what they want, that to me is an amazing platform to then say, okay, I didn't know you wanted that. We're going to create this. Then we start taking some of the practical steps around money. 
And the thing about talking about money is that it often wasn't modeled well for us, this communication about money, this openness about money. And a lot of those things that you said when you're talking about you come into this marriage, not as a newborn baby, but as a human who's lived through some segment of life and you come from a different family and different values and experiences and beliefs a lot of those are unwritten and unsaid. Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily know when you're dating someone or even early on in marriage or later in marriage, if you haven't been intentional about talking about this stuff, yeah, how you and your partner are not on the same page. Mm-hmm. Because it's kind of just below the surface. And unless you're really willing to dig in and figure out what is under there, you'll keep bumping along, kind of looking to your left and saying, that's not exactly the way that I would do it, but I don't know how to kind of get on the same page with this person. And of all the people in the world, that partner is the person that you most need to be on the same page with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you've been called the Marie Kondo of personal finance. And I think this is going to tie back to the pin that we put in systems for personal finance (laughs) a little bit earlier. So tell me about why that is. I think we all need more simplicity and Mm. more clarity with what's really important to do because I don't have time to spend hours a week managing my money. We have five kids, two dogs, and I have one very overgrown child pretending to be an adult who I happen to be married to. (laughs) So how can we simplify this and make it something that feels like we can do it in the midst of busy motherhood? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, so when when the first person said to me, and a few people have said this as far as the Marie Kondo, I was like, who is that? So oh. I was like on this whole, you know, reading of her books. And now, of course, she has like the whole series. And I'm like, I love this woman. So um, what the the connection to that piece and what we can do, if, if your listeners have watched any of her stuff or read any of her stuff, that idea of like, right, going into our closets taking everything out, going into our garage, taking everything out, kitchen, taking everything out, laying it out. And then she asked that question, like what sparks joy? Mm -hmm. So to me, that connects with like more like values-based budgeting, right? And being intentional. I don't necessarily have my clients go through everything they're spending money on and saying, does this spark joy? But it's a similar kind of question, Tracy, where it's really like, is this something that is adding value to your life? Do mm. you feel good spending money on this? Does it, is this something that you're both in alignment with? That type of a question. But I'm very much against the whole world of shoulding in finances, mm. right? So I bring this up because... So often I will have people come to me and say, well, we should be doing better around our finances. And I'll say like, should is never going to carry the day. Like it's not a grounded enough why, right? And that is a big piece with clients that I work with is like getting to, well, what is that why? So the same thing around Marie Kondo, I may not have you get rid of all the things in your closet that don't spark joy, but if it's something that you're saying, but we want this as an option. We want the option of being able to move closer to our parents in three years from now. Well, then we start looking at what all those expenses are and saying, well, if you put pause on this, you'd be on track to be able to meet that goal. 
So don't get rid of things just because you think, well, we have too many streaming services, right? Or uh, we shouldn't be spending money on these apps or we shouldn't be eating out as much. I'll hear that from people all the time. And I'll say like, well, how is it when you eat out? And often they'll start talking about this really positive experience. Going out and having a meal together or, you know, the one conversation they had with their spouse that week. And I'll say, who told you that you shouldn't be spending money on that? And often that's just a conversation in their own mind. So all of that to say, like, the why is going to be what carries the day and should will never be that. So it's Mm. getting grounded in that why, what that is for the two of you. And sometimes with folks, it's, I just, I don't want to argue about this. I want to spend less time arguing about this. Or it can be something very tangible that they want, right? We've talked about the, the house, the move, the business, whatever, taking less time from work. The, the big piece I have them go into is like, you need to see all of it. You need to get that clarity. Both of you need to, even if one person's managing the day-to-day or likes the retirement or all of that, you both need, everything needs to come out on the table and be considered as an expense, as well as income. Like mm-hmm. hey, we have income coming in from this. We should, a lot of times people, again, are shooting about, well, we should have that income. Mm. Well, is the work we're putting in for that income, is that adding value to our life? Mm. Even reconsidering that, Tracy, I think is really important. So there's that download. And then from a practical perspective, I will just say, I have my clients start to think about their expenses in three different categories. One of which is their fixed and recurring bills, mortgage, cell phone payment, car payment, whatever, set day of the month, set amount. The second one is a spending for day to day. So that's gonna be groceries, gas, takeout, drinks, coffee. The third expense is what I like to call um, the whammies of life, right? So these are expected, and unexpected expenses that don't hit your budget every month, but when they come, they can really throw things out of alignment. I find that if people don't sort their expenses into those three different categories, they're often looking at their one checking account, seeing a bunch of money in it, but having no idea if it's enough to cover their bills between now and their next pay period, Mm -hmm. right? It's almost like looking in your refrigerator and seeing an abundance of food but having no idea if it's enough to make meals to last you through Saturday when you're going shopping again. Like mm-hmm. it looks good, but it takes that, men- it's a lot of mental math. So that's one step, Tracy. And then the next step is really turning your day-to-day spending into a fixed expense. So, so often folks will say to me, well, we're really working off paying off debt. We're really excited about paying off debt. We've looked at our budget for the month you know, we've laid out our income, we laid out our expenses, we're going to 500 to go towards debt. And then they get to the end of the month and they have like $43, if not 43 cents, right? Mm-hmm. To go towards the debt. And I think a big culprit of that, at least from what I've seen, and you can tell me what you've seen is, but is that the, there's this commingling of the day-to-day spending with the bill account. Mm. Every time we swipe that debit card, it lessens the amount in that account. And even though it's a small purchase, you know, a a Target run, Amazon purchase, gas, that money comes down. And that can cause conflict in a couple. 
Because often one person is doing more of that day-to-day spending. Mm-hmm. So here's one spouse like, yay, we're going to have 500. And then there's 43 left. And they're like, why did you do all that spending, right? Mm-hmm. So to turn that into a fixed expense, I have them set up a second checking account and call it a spending account mm-hmm. and determine a set amount to transfer to that account every pay period and only use that account for day-to-day spending. That way there's no more commingling of the bills mm-hmm. with the day-to-day spending. You have a debit card for that and you only use that card and that money goes down. It helps my clients to see very clearly how much they have to go towards their next goal. Mm-hmm. And confidently put it towards that instead of waiting till the end of the pay period and and being upset with how see much what happens. Is. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So. I feel like I just got extra credit on a project because ours is actually called spending account. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Check. Uh, <laughs> yay. The holiday season is upon us. I don't know about you, but to me, this is one of the most busy, stressful, and most expensive seasons of the year. Combine the arm's length list of things to do, buy, wrap, and gift with all the activities that come along with celebrating this season, and it can quickly become more about consumption and less about connection. If you're looking for more connection in your life and less money stress, download the Merry Money Guide. It's free. It's a collection of 30 money-saving tips, a gift list to combine all of the things you're preparing to gift this season, and a framework for buying gifts that reminds us the reason for the season and encourages you to press pause on the desire to overconsume during this time. Head on over to tracy-bingaman.mykajabi.com slash merrymoney or click the link in the show notes to download your guide today and make this the least stressful holiday season yet. I've heard sort of undertones of this, and this is an area where my teaching and your teaching really overlaps and lines up. We talk about a values-based approach to spending, about being in alignment with your values, with your money goals, in alignment with your spouse. So what does that look like and feel like? How is it different than the average couple and how can we create it in our own lives? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the average couple is doing the best that they can. I am, I I see it all the time. And I applaud, like, listen, you're doing the best you can. I am not here to tell anybody they're not doing that because of all the hecticity. I don't think that's a word. The hecticness, our hectic life. It feels like hecticity. That should be a word. That's what's happening at our house. Hecticity all day, every day. Um, So I do think people are doing the best that they can, but often because one person is managing more paying the bills, right? They have it all worked out in their head. Like, oh, this is going to be a good month for us. This is how it looks. And then spouse B or partner B over here is doing just as much of the day-to-day spending, if not the bulk of it. If they're the one running the kids around and getting pizza after soccer practice and, you know, picking takeup out or, oh, I forgot we need those few things. And they run into Target for $10 and $70 later, you know, all the things. Both members of the couple are seeing things almost like if you can imagine, um, you know, racehorses and they have those blinders on. Okay. Right? They're, they are fixated on their goal which is to get to the end of the race, right? And to mm-hmm. win that race. It's kind of similar with couples. Like they see, they have these blinders on, they see money from their perspective, 
But you cannot get into alignment, do the values-based budget, any of that, unless you take those blinders off and be willing to see the bigger picture. And I think that's the biggest piece that I see with couples is that they're seeing things like on, in their own silo and they're not seeing the bigger picture. And so when they can sit down and start to have a conversation about what we value, what we want to put money towards, how to organize that in the month to month, setting up the spending account, you know, all these things, they have this sense of, okay, we're working our butts off and making all this money, but we actually feel good about where it's going. Mm -hmm. As opposed to what I see a lot of people feel is that they're working so hard, but they don't see they don't see where that money is going they don't feel in alignment with that and they're kind of just one step ahead whereas with finances i feel like you always have to be you know three six nine um steps ahead of that mm -hmm. well and it almost sounds like to me like i'm imagining a couple who's trying to push this boulder up a hill and they're like they're both kind of working at it, but they don't really have a system where they're pushing in the same direction or working together well, and they're pushing it up the hill. And when you're really not on the same page, the hill is kind of never ending. So you just keep pushing and pushing and it's up the hill and it feels like it's taking all of this effort. Yeah. Whereas if you work with someone or, or you're diligent and you work together about getting on the same page and establishing systems that work for you... Mm -hmm. You do have to put an effort on the front end and you have to push maybe a little harder or maybe more intentionally to get it up over the hill. Yeah. But then there's a downhill that doesn't exist when you're not on the same page because you, you say, okay, we're going to work together. What we've been doing hasn't been working. We're going to have a conversation outside the confines of our typical arguing about money when no one's angry mm -hmm. and we're going to get on the same page or start to get on the same page. And then we're going to set up some systems so we don't have to push it up the same hill every month. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that what you find? Like you have to, yeah. you have to say, this isn't working. We have to stop. We need a new system. Mm -hmm. And it does take time and energy, which none of us have, but it saves us time and energy down the road. Exactly. Yeah. I, I see that all the time. And people will say like, well, we just don't have time. We want this, but we just don't have time to do this. I mean, I think that's a lot of things in life, right? Like exercise or cooking, yeah, relationship with your partner, right? All of that. But I, I kind of cackle at that because I'm like, you have no idea how much time and not just time like balancing and, and doing the mental math of do we have the money for this? Do we not? What bills have cleared? What hasn't cleared? Oh, did you spend on that? You know, all that chaos. Um, it's also the energy in our relationship shifts. That's the biggest thing. I mean, I've been working with couples around money for almost eight years now, besides the kitchen table conversations, yeah. right? Which were valuable too. But these are the things that I see happen for couples is they'll say, oh my gosh, we got time back. We're not fighting about money anymore, right? Or things rise to the surface. Like I didn't, I never thought that we'd be able to move. I've, um, one couple that I've been working with for a while now. And when we first got together, it was all about paying off debt. They just either completely committed to paying off debt. And the reality was they didn't see that that was possible because of the amount of time that they had that debt. Hmm. In working together, getting this alignment and getting these systems in place and showing up for each other month to month, because it's not just mm -hmm. setting up, it's maintaining, right? They have now have the ability, the option 
to move. They live in Chicago, moved to Florida. They have one son. That son went on and had four kids and all they wanted, it was like in the whisperings of our first conversation. Mm-hmm. You know how mm-hmm. you like pull that out of people? Well, if you could have anything, well, what about anything? What? Well, we'd really love to live near our son. <gasps> we said that. We said that. Now she heard it. You know, coaches yeah. hear things in there yeah. like, I hear you for what's possible. So the beauty is this June, 2022, they will have their finances in order enough in alignment to be able to make that choice to be able to do that. Of course, now they have a bunch of other things they want too, which is great, but that possibility is there. And I see that time and time again, those things we weren't even willing to consider as a possibility that Mm. would be possible. Yeah. I think when we take back the power in managing our own finances, we take back the power in managing our own schedules and relationships and choices and mm. what we're modeling for our kids. And it's not to say it's all about the money, but the money is the key to unlocking the choices around almost everything else. Yeah. It's so, so important. And we're not having enough conversations about it. I'm so, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you exist in this space and that we were able to connect and share this with our listeners today. And so someone is listening and they're like, I want that. And I want to work with Amy because she sounds incredible, which you do. Where can listeners go to find and connect with you online and learn about your coaching offerings? Tell us all about that. Okay. Well, they can go to my website, which is just amyscottcoaching.com. And I actually have a, what I think is a really cool resource on there. It's a free resource that I put together that includes some of the questions that I encourage people to ask today. So if you are somebody who is driving and listening to this episode, which I often am with podcasts, like it's all there. The questions are laid out as well as the steps, the three initial steps that I recommend that couples take to get on the same page about money. So that is a great resource. And then I'm also on Instagram as well, which I is isn't is new and fun. <laughs> <laughs> it is a unique space inside it of is. the internet for sure. It is. It is. Awesome, Amy. Well, thank you so much for sharing of your time and of your wisdom with us. This is absolutely gonna reach the busy moms in the hecticity of their everyday lives. Love it. Thank you. Until next time, keep on slaying your own fire-breathing dragons. Thank you so much for hitting play on another episode of Fulfilled, the podcast. I have a favor to ask. If you like what you heard today, please tell your friends. Take a screenshot and share it on social. You can tag me on Instagram at Mrs. Tracy Bingaman, and you can tag the podcast at Fulfilled Podcast. And please consider leaving a review. I'd love to hear what you think and your reviews can help other moms find me so they can grow alongside you. Oh, I almost forgot. Don't forget to subscribe so you get next week's episode automatically in your podcast queue. Instant inspiration and all the mom jokes. Yes, please. We'll see you next week on Fulfilled the Podcast.